Hi, welcome to the Alice Fables podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Sterling. And we're going to answer one of your questions about writing our books or the indie author process. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alice Fables or here on Spotify. If you want more writing tips and tricks or information about our latest releases, join our newsletter at ellisfables.com. Today, we're going to talk about epic fantasy. So I think we should start off with an explanation of what that is. Right, because really what this kind of came about was when we were trying, and when I say we, I mean me, Sterling, to like <laughs> find beta readers for our epic fantasy coming out November 30th, The Last Contender. Um, you and I just agreed like, oh, it's epic fantasy and it's queer. So it's queer epic fantasy. Mm -hmm. And so when I was trying to communicate that to beta readers and then later arc readers, there seemed to be a bit of a, not a miscommunication so much as like a misidentification of what is epic fantasy and what the expectations should be for that. Uh, so that's okay. I mean, that's communication has challenges all the time, but the challenge that popped up was that, um, some people were like, wow, this is a pretty big book. I don't really enjoy reading books past a certain page count. And I didn't realize that this was going to be that. And our side of that was we literally said it's epic fantasy. And so where are we missing that communication bubble? Where did we fail on that side of it? Because beta readers weren't getting what they believed they should be getting or it wasn't what they wanted, even though we had told them it was epic fantasy and it was creating, you know, beta readers who weren't wanting to even read it in the first place or did read it and really didn't enjoy because of the fact that it was epic fantasy. And so when I started trying to put the word out for publication date, I started asking a lot of people in the writing realm and the indie realm and, you know, book boxes and part of communities that we're a part of as far as the publication process, what is your definition of epic fantasy? What is your definition of high fantasy? Because that was the next one where somebody said, oh, well, maybe it's high fantasy. Um, I'm more familiar with that term. And I think we were both a little surprised to find that there was a lot of mixing over and lack of clarity. A lot of people hadn't even heard the term epic fantasy. Um, and a lot of people had, but associated it with different things. And so as we kind of like tried to make sure that we were advertising our book clearly, which is really important to get the right readers, that we had the right terminology. And as we searched and did research and did more, you know, polls asking people, we did start getting a clear consensus, um, both from like the official sources and from the community sources of what is epic fantasy versus all the other types of fantasy. So I think to start off on that explanation, the culmination of our research would be to just define fantasy. Right. And generally, fantasy is, is fiction. Yes. That falls outside of the normal realm that doesn't follow 
the same rules as the world we live in today. Right. But isn't science fiction. So it goes, it either adds magical rules to our world Mm -hmm. or it takes place in a period earlier than the one we currently live in. It could be based off a number of different societies or mm-hmm. uh, a number of different previous cultures and includes some sort of story set in that world's rules. Now, a lot of the time when you think fantasy, the first thing you think is like pageant and sorcerers and dragons, but it doesn't necessarily have to have any of that. No. And you can have a fantasy world that has very little to no magic. Yes. It can be just a medieval world set in medieval world rules. So long as it's not Earth that or our an exact copy of our history, then it's not historical fiction. It's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can have urban fantasy, which is a different category, which can be current time. Yes. But it adds rules to our current world yeah. that don't exist mm-hmm. in our reality. Yeah. So that is a really (laughs) generic, a very hodgepodge genre because it includes so much, so many different stories that it makes sense that we then had to break it down. Right, right. Well, and so, you know, for those of you who are possibly publishing yourselves, you're going, well, okay, great, fantasy. I know what I'm writing. What's the point? You need to know really what you're writing what for genre advertising yeah. for adwords for search terms on amazon if that's the platform you're using really for all your metadata because a high fantasy book is not going to have the same cover as an urban fantasy book no it's not going to have the same reader yeah exactly i mean it might maybe there's a voracious reader who reads there's, all the categories there's probably some overlap in the readers of these different categories but the metadata that you choose is going to be largely influenced by your subcategory of fantasy. And doing that is going to help that reader find your book. Right. Or get the wrong reader to not read your book. You don't want the wrong reader because then they'll give you a bad review because they didn't get what they wanted. They were actually looking for an urban fantasy paranormal romance and you gave them high epic fantasy you know yeah so let's get down into the subcategories i think i think that we've mentioned urban fantasy a couple times mm-hmm. and that's an easy place to start though it's probably the newest certainly it's the newest of the subgenres so urban fantasy is any story set in a modern or near modern time period Usually Earth, but not always. Usually Earth, but not always, in which there are magical or paranormal happenings, like witches, vampires, ghosts, zombies. Um, There's a whole, like, fan base centered around shifters, people who can transform into animals. Werewolves, you know. Yeah. Bear shifters. Yes. Um, Um... so, like, a genre that pops out to me immediately for people who maybe want, like, a, an example would be the Sookie Stackhouse series. Yeah. Um, which is what the TV show uh, True Blood was based off of, after. Mm-hmm. Sookie Stackhouse lives in modern-day Louisiana. Yeah. But she's a telepath, so she can read thoughts. 
and vampires came, quote unquote, out of the coffin. And turns out they've been real this whole time. And now there's a synthetic blood that they can drink that um, means they don't have to feed on humans anymore. So they can just be normal American citizens or, you know, French citizens. They're, they're all over the world. They've existed this whole time. Oops, turns out we're real. haha. But look, we're not going to eat you alive. So now you don't have to be scared of us. Yes. So some conventions of this genre are often there's a character who either is a part of this hidden community. Mm -hmm. So they live within this community of magical use or magical creatures and they're hiding it from the outside world. Mm -hmm. Or they stumble into it. Or it's the character discovers this. Yes. So an example of this would be like The Magicians. It's both a trilogy and a popular TV show about a ordinary guy who ends up in basically magic grad school. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ordinary guy. Quentin is pretty weird. Yeah. He's a <laughs> weird guy. But he believes he's a normal dude. He doesn't know that he has magic until he finds out he has magic. Yes. So that is a popular convention. This is also pretty common in for urban fantasy to be romance novels. Urban fantasy, romance, yeah. paranormal romance, that kind of thing. So that's I, I another agree with that statement. There's another like uh, big convention of the genre. I don't think that um the magicians falls into that category exactly, though there might be romance in it. There's romance in it, but it is not a romance novel. Yeah. And like Sookie Stackhouse, the TV show doesn't prove this as much, but the books are actually mystery novels. There's always a mystery you're solving in that one book. Yeah, so it can, there can be genre blending here, but in general, urban fantasy is modern, near modern world with magic. Or magic creatures or both. Yes. Fairies, stuff like that. Which is some... Oh, you know what's an urban fantasy? Witch King. Witch King is an urban fantasy. Um, what is the one that I've just Naomi read? Novik. Naomi Novik's, um, yeah, her The Last Graduate series yes. is an excellent urban fantasy. Probably, like, my favorite. And it's queer. Yes, it uh, is. And, uh, as is Witch Queen. Yes, they're both uh, queer examples. Magicians has some queer stuff as well, but I don't know if I would categorize it as totally queer. Yeah. They're or, queer characters. Yeah. Also, Once and Future Witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the three main characters is queer. And it's urban fantasy. Yes. And uh, I would bet, I haven't read these ones, the, the the cover of the book, I think you've read it, is a really beautiful woman of color, and she has, like, glasses, and she looks kind of sassy, and it's a really vivid cover. And the second one... The Poison Heart? Yeah, I that? haven't read them. Okay. I They're saved in my... Uh, TBR list. The glasses make me think that it's probably urban fantasy. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Once in Future Witches isn't urban fantasy. It's historical fantasy because it's set in Salem around the time of the witch trials. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a thing. You can have historical fantasy, so that's yeah, okay. be our next category. Great, great transition. Uh, next type of fantasy, historical fantasy. It happens in a time period somewhere in our past like the salem rich past earth's past like the salem witch trials is a great example also another naomi novik series i love naomi novik so uh her the his majesty's dragon is set in the napoleonic era mm -hmm. uh, but the country is at war 
and the Napoleonic War have dragons as an area of core. So same deal set in a period of Earth history mm-hmm. in which the rules are different. And so urban fantasy and historical fantasy are actually pretty similar. It's just the time period that's different. Yes. Outlander. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Outlander would probably fall into historical fantasy, though it does have urban fantasy elements because... Well, she never comes farther forward than, like, the 60s or 70s. Oh, okay. So I guess you would still call that historical. I would, yes. But there's time traveling. So, I mean, so far we don't know that the time traveling is real, therefore it is fantasy mm-hmm. versus just historical fiction. Historical fiction is just a story based in the past, but there is no magical elements or different things. Or different rules, yeah. Those it is 100%... Or as much as the author can make it accurate. Except for it's fiction, so it didn't actually happen. Right, but the laws of physics and... Yes, and the, 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 the laws of the time, they're accurate. Yeah, which, sorry, not to confuse everybody, that's different than historical retelling. Which did happen. Which did happen, but, but you're bringing a twist or it. might have some less than accurate elements. Mm-hmm. But moving on, we have a lot of these to go through. Yes. Um, then we get into sort of the types of fantasy that we think of more when we think of fantasy. So low fantasy is fantasy set in a distant time period and distant um place a lot of times it's not earth not earth most of the time it's a world that the author has created themselves but because it is low fantasy it has very little magic Mm -hmm. or magical creatures yes most of game of thrones feels like low fantasy with like a very political plot line yeah except for oh by the way there's dragons and (laughs) an army of the dead right (laughs) aside from those two things it's super low fantasy it feels more low fantasy Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the opposite end of that, you have high fantasy, high fantasy, which is dragons, sorcerers, heavily orcs, featuring elves. other races of magic, you know, like think Tolkien, Tolkien gave birth to high fantasy. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the author name, that would be the Hobbit, Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings, Two Towers. Yeah, that series. Uh, um, there are tons of examples of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a lot of high fantasy growing up. I'm sure you did too. Yeah. And, you know, for me, high fantasy is different than epic because it's focusing a lot on the magic part of things. Well, it's a matter of scope. Mm-hmm. Epic fantasy has usually multiple plot lines. Yeah, multiple POVs. And includes Earth's, like, world-shattering events so if you're reading a fantasy novel set in a distant world in a medieval type time period to go rather stereotypical with dragons and sorcerers but it's the story of a single adventurer or a single group of adventurers Mm -hmm. and you don't see any other povs then that's probably not epic fantasy yeah so of the books we've written vassal and mm-hmm. Goddess, Shepherd of Souls, and Death Seeker are all fairly high fantasy. Yeah, there's a lot of magic. But they focus on those main characters. Characters. You're not 
bouncing from like continent to continent. Yes, there are some earth changing events, but I don't consider them high fantasy. I mean, epic fantasy because there aren't multiple POVs in multiple parts of the world. There are multiple POVs, but they're all characters in the same group. Yes. I mean, you don't really leave the group very often. Yeah. And the other thing for me for epic fantasy is page count. Yes. I have an assumption about size. Yes. Brandon Sanderson. So the birth of the word epic in literature, Mm -hmm. you really comes from like the epic poems and the epic stories of mm-hmm. ancient Greece. The Iliad. Yes. Um, Homer's whole situation. Uh, jump forward in the future, Dante's Inferno. Yes, that took a long time to get through. Um, these kind of things, just like really epic poems. So when you get to epic fantasy, you're thinking multiple POVs, multiple parts of the world, and Really, the story, really big things are happening. The story, yes. And the story takes time for all of these different pieces to, come to unfold and come together and stuff like that. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The Wheel of Time. Yeah. Um, the Way of Kings. Mistborn. I'm kind of on the fence on Mistborn, actually, because it mostly follows the same handful of characters it does um in the second and third book the characters get scattered more and uh, they're not in the same locations as much okay so I the first book is and the first book is smaller too yeah i listen to them on audible and they're 24 hours that's a really long well, book. that's a really long book to give reference naomi novik's um last graduate is like 14 yes like it's 10 hours longer <laughs> i think those are the main ones there's also dark fantasy which usually has some scary elements some horror stuff or is just set in a really grim dark sort of universe yeah we kind of toyed with the word dark fantasy for our shepherd of souls series because we're dealing with some dark topics like a necromancer yes Uh spoiler alert there is a necromancer but you know i don't think that entirely fits that series the characters are a little too lighthearted. No, no, I agree. But there is dark content yes. and gore. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And I think dark fantasy kind of has an implication of some gore. Yes. Also, um, a lot of things are going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't. You don't get your cinnamon roll uh, ending a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. And that's perfectly fine. Um, I've read some of that stuff and didn't hate it, even though it's not normally within my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um. Political fantasy is another smaller one. Um, Which kind of fits into the subgenre of like a high fantasy or an epic fantasy. Yeah. So it's not going to be the the subgenre that you really like advertise to. No. It's too small. It's too really, niche. Right. But people who like political really tend to really like it. Um, military fantasy is actually a pretty big one. And... And it's vague, too, because it could also be historical. Yeah, but people s- seem to... There's quite a bit of a following for stories written about people at war. Mm-hmm. And, like, soldiers and people. Battles. That kind of thing, yeah. Action. I don't read a lot of that, so I'm not going to be the expert in, in the, like, tropes of the genre. Shout out to Franz. Yeah, shout out to our beta reader, Franz, who... Is just really 
he's an excellent historian, so he helps keep our battles and weapon use closer to believable. <laughs> and if it's not believable, that's not his fault. That's us going, we're doing it anyway. Rule of cool. <laughs> yeah. So that is, those are the big ones, I think. That's all that is. Recap that. Fantasy. Fantasy. Low fantasy. High fantasy. High fantasy. Epic. Epic. Dark. Historical. Urban. Historical. Urban. Military. Military. To a lesser extent, political fantasy. Yeah. Are we missing anything? Um, no. No? I will have, I have a caveat for epic fantasy. Oh, yeah? Yes. I recently read Seth Dickinson's uh, the Traitor of Baru. Yes. The Traitor Baru Cormorant. Sorry. The Traitor Baru Cormorant. No, the traitor I don't know Baru. that person. Yeah. And I say recently. It's been like a year. But um, this series is told from the point of view of Baru Cormorant, who's the main character. Mm. But it spans like three continents mm-hmm. and is actually the story of war relations trade between several nations i want to say four or five. Oh wow yes so even though there's only one pov i'm saying you've got to count it as epic well and so you know under that train of thought a lot of sarah j moss's stuff is considered somewhere between high and epic i yeah. would categorize it as high fantasy yeah because there is so much magic and there are so many magical, mystical creatures. I mean, all of her main characters in, like, the Throne of Glass series are are fae, are fairies. Yes. So, but, like, um, you know, sometimes when you search epic fantasy, her stuff comes up. Yeah. So, in some ways, none of these are, like, hard and fast rules. No. Well, like I was saying, I'm talking, we have, I was taking polls and, and some people hadn't even ever heard the term epic fantasy. Yes. Um, so I think that just shows my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine too, because I grew up loving epic fantasy. So I think that the trick to advertising for any of these is to find out which one, A, that your book is closest to, mm-hmm. and B, which one of these groups of readers would be most interested in your book. Right. So, I think that The Last Contender is an epic fantasy. It spans two continents, four major POVs. You could also say that it was low fantasy, though, because there's very little magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a lot of magic, but a lot of political stuff, a lot of warfare, world-building. I mean, I hope that when readers are done with it, they feel like they know the countries really well and the cultures yeah so definitely epic fantasy um kind of like to think of it as a queer game of thrones where not all your favorite characters die yeah i mean hopefully we don't know it's only book one. Oh, that is true let's not give false promises here <sighs> well i don't know what their favorite characters are uh i know what their favorite characters are what any hobby <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope so, because I freaking love any hobby. Yeah. But, you know, it was an interesting journey to figure this out, because as an author, you have to question your own assumptions. Yes. Otherwise, you just might not be reaching the people that you want to reach. 
you have to make sure that they're looking for the same things you are. Mm-hmm. And using the same vocabulary. Yeah. Ultimately, I think people who like high fantasy oftentimes like epic, epic fantasy. fantasy because epic and high fantasy often have a lot of overlap. Have a lot of overlap. Yeah. Um, whereas urban fantasies and even into the historical fantasy won't have as much overlap. No. They're more interested in things that are mostly centered on Earth. Something that we don't talk about often when it comes to fantasy is that fantasy has a learning curve, especially stuff set in other worlds. You're expecting your reader to ultimately be able to understand the rules of the universe that you made up. Uh, so, there's a learning curve for the reader specifically. Yeah, I think you're talking about for the writers. I was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a learning curve for any sort of writing. It's a skill. You mm-hmm. have to practice it. But for fantasy readers especially, you're asking them to learn quite a bit about your world. So that burden on the reader, I burden, I personally love this. I love jumping into a new expectation. world. Expectation. And learning. That expectation on the reader is less present in historical and urban fantasy because it's set in Earth. Right. There's an assumption that they understand how the gravity works and the literal physics work here. And know a little bit about the history of this place. Especially if it is historical fiction, you're making a, or fantasy, you're making a big assumption that the reason why the person's reading it is because they already enjoy that historical time frame. Yeah. Or they enjoy historical fiction in general. So Uh they probably have some grasp of history. And urban fantasy, even less impetus on the reader because it's their world. It's their rules. Just with a little bit of extra twist. That is basically different types of fantasy. But one thing we didn't cover that might be helpful. How do you find out what your readers are searching for? Oh. (laughs) That's the hard one, right? Yes. So there are a couple ways to do this. One of the most straightforward is to go to Amazon and figure out what keywords are making money on Amazon. Now, there are, I won't go into the actual technical how-tos of this, but basically you type in a keyword or let Amazon autofill a keyword. That's especially great. You have to get rid of your cookies cache if you do that. Yeah. And then the books that come up, the first books that come up, if they're selling a lot of copies, which you can tell by their Amazon store rank, then that keyword is something people are searching for. Yes. I had to think about that. Yeah. It's a little bit technical, but that's one way. And it's a great way to pick your Amazon book keywords so that your book will get seen. Yes. Um, and then the other probably more obvious way is just to ask your readers, ask your beta readers, ask your friends, ask communities that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. What do you guys read? Uh, what do you search for? Um, what would you label my book as? Right. Which is how we came across this challenge of being like having beta readers and arc readers who were uh, not interested in our content despite the fact that we had previously shown it to them as epic fantasy yes and that's not a complaining thing that's just a fact thing yes 
Um, so things that we found helpful is sometimes to compare it to other books. For instance, Priory of the Orange Tree. Yes, that's there's, a huge epic fantasy that is queer. Yes, there's not a lot of queer epic fantasy, but that's another one. So we're like, we tell people that this is on the same scale scale as Priory of the Orange Tree or Game of Thrones. Yeah, and those are important because of the page counts specifically. Yes. Like, <laughs> this is similar to other things, but if there are smaller stories, then the person might have a, like... A certain expectation for how quickly they're going to be able to read it. Yes. And that goes back to there is a reader for every book out there. You just have to find them. And by finding... In order to find them, you need to be specific about what you're offering. Yes. The other thing you can do is when – if people who are reviewing your book are people you have enough of a relationship with that you can talk to them about it, you can ask them to put in phrases in their reviews that they think or that you think will help the right readers find the book. Find the book. Yes. Have you ever gone on Google and been like, Thai restaurant near me or – no, that's not a good one. Sorry. Try again. Have you ever gone to, onto Google and done like restaurant with gluten-free options near me or vegan options near me um, and restaurants that are not necessarily categorized as gluten-free or vegan will pop up if because you scroll down – It'll be the reviews. A the review reviews. will have the word vegan or gluten-free in it, and they'll be bold. And so even though this restaurant is not totally gluten-free, the reviewers, like, has a gluten-free menu. And so it came up in the search engine optimization. Amazon works the same way. Yes. You want you want your readers and your reviewers, if possible, to include keywords, uh, key phrases that – will help your readers find the book. Like Epic Fantasy. Queer. queer. LBGT. Yeah. Those are all great. Um, and so that's just, you need your metadata to be right yes. in the first place. But you can help your readers find you by also asking the people who you have enough of a relationship with to post in their reviews the things that would have drawn them to the book. Exactly. Lesbian love story. And you, you kind of hope that those things, the things that would have drawn to the book, them to the book, are the things that they're going to talk about in the review anyway. Yeah. Because that's what's on their mind. But you, if you want to be specific. And you can ask them to talk, you can ask them specifically. You know, on Goodreads, I've seen authors leave reviews for their own book. Mm -hmm. And instead of, like, leaving a star rating or something like that. Which apparently is, like, tacky. Yeah. <laughs> they will go in and write a few things about the book to f help readers f that want to read that sort of thing find it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's great. It's a great way to be really clear, like, hey, this is what you're getting. Yeah. And I'm telling you this because I want the people who want this to find it. Yeah. So I think I think those are the big ones. Yeah. Know your, your genre. Know your genre. Find the people that want that genre. Mm -hmm. And then sell it to them. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the day, we all want to do this full time. Right. <laughs> and that means selling books. Selling books. So, I mean, that's kind of our journey as if finding out what specifically epic fantasy is. Because um, <laughs> there was not a big consensus. Yeah. 
so that that's basically where we're at with that. And um, because this is our November podcast, we are going to do a little shout out on our book that's coming out November 30th. It is an epic fantasy. Yes. <laughs> entitled The Last Contender as the first book in our Song of the Lost series and takes place roughly 30 years before the start of the vast of Vassal and Goddess, our first duology. Which means you don't have to have read Vassal or Goddess to enjoy this. Yes, it's it's basically totally it, it's in a way the first book. Yes. In a series. That, it is the first even though it's book a, in a series. Well, yeah, it's literally the first book. But I mean, <laughs> you do not have to, have to have any background reading. Of the other stories in of this the universe. world. Yeah. To know what's going on. Um, Quick, what is The Last Contender? It's the story of a war between three nations and the fight, the different fights for freedom that our POV characters are going through. Yes. And it's queer, obviously, because that's what we write. Yes. And it's epic fantasy. Yes. Um, the representation in this book, uh, meaning when we say representation, we mean a POV character. It's not a passing side character. This person has a POV. Would be um, trans. Yeah. Trans, bi. Gay. Gay and lesbian. Lesbian. And um, one of our characters does struggle with some mental health stuff. Uh, well, PTSD. Yeah, and another character deals with other mental health stuff. Yes. Um, and we do have some content warnings as well, which we think you should always put because you don't want to accidentally traumatize someone. Yes. That's <laughs> by making them read your book. Content warnings is another way you find the right readers for your books. Yeah. Uh, so content warnings for The Last Contender are violence, gore, non-consensual touch, or sexual violence. Yes, though it's not condoned or seen from point of view. Uh, and also uh, child abuse. Yes, though, again, it's not... We're not, like, pro-child abuse. We're not pro-child abuse. <laughs> and it's you don't get a very graphic image but it is alluded to yeah so if someone has undergone that that might be something they, they don't want to have in there um, yes they're reading there's also um sex scenes cursing and uh drug use yeah that's the those are the big ones i think yeah so that's the last contender which is epic fantasy queer epic fantasy which we will be advertising it as such <laughs> and, uh, we really hope that everybody who listens or is part of our newsletter and if you're not part of our newsletter join our newsletter um likes it and and reads it and goes and gets it it's coming out november 30th and this is a big foray for Liv and i because we've we've never published epic fantasy before yeah we've kind of gone out out too went and got quite an Fabulous cover artist, Marlisa Chen. And, um, yeah. And then we had the title put on by Nerdy Book Mama. Yeah. Um, gotta Love Tamara. Yeah. She did an amazing job with it's that. A great friend. Yes. She's really, really good. Uh, check out that interview with her. Oh, yeah. She runs Nerdy Book Box, for those of you who don't know her as Nerdy Book Mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, we've gone... This is a big one for us. We're a little nervous and excited, but we've we've put a lot of time and energy anybody who's been following us knows that we we published four books last year 
And this is the only one that we're publishing this year. Yeah. And it's like barely getting in there. (laughs) Like barely (laughs) making it into 2022. Yeah. It has certainly been a big process. Yeah. Yeah. Really big process. So like we're really hoping that this will that y'all will enjoy it and and that it'll go somewhere yeah so um thank you so much for listening y'all and uh don't forget to follow us at ls fables on instagram and uh or join our newsletter at lsfables.com